No, I can't imagine. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad they saw us like that. And then Amy and I walked back the rest of the trail. She only had a top on with her bathing suit bottoms. I only had my hiking shorts on and I had the bikini top on, but I realized like as I'm walking back, it looked like I was totally naked because I had no, a towel did. wrapped around me it on top. It looked like you were literally That naked. covered up the steps. So um, I hope everyone enjoyed that show. We also did something I've never done before that Liz has done a billion times before we became friends, which is it's a gin jam. bucket. Yes. Oh my God. Well, I'll just give y'all the recipe. You get a shitty ass cooler, like a styrofoam one. Check Publix. Yes, please. Olivia was the savior there. Um, get a handle of gin. You can get cheap ass shit. New Amsterdam is on sale there right now. Get a lot of ice. <laughs> Pour in the whole handle of gin, then get, see, I think this is what saved us from a hangover, really, the next day. I got the sugar-free 7-Up. We're getting older, people. We can't deal with that full sugar shit. I never could. No. Um, Then you get a bunch of lemons and limes, squeeze them in, drop the carcasses in, and turkey basters. And then you play (laughs) drinking games and you baste one another. I love to be basted. With the truth. Until you're thoroughly delighted with life. Liz basted me. (laughs) It was fun, though. Okay, guys, is it time to introduce our guest? I think so. Oh, wait, did Matt do do anything while we were gone? He did. He, uh, let me see, what did he do? He went to the U of R opening game, football. Did he go with your dad? Yes, my dad has season tickets. Woohoo! I was very excited. Basketball, they sell beer and liquor inside. Matt informs me at the football game they don't. Bring the flask! Yes, we will be, I mean, we'll be totally following the laws. We'll be bringing shit Knock, knock. (laughs) Um, And then he went to the Tin Pan and saw an ELO electric light orchestra cover band. They're my top three favorite bands. Well, this was a tribute, but. But are they RVA based? No, they're not RVA. Oh no, they're God, not. I gotta see that. <laughs> I would cry. Pink Floyd, Yellow, and Led Zeppelin are my favorites. True that. Okay. Time to right. introduce Let's our guest. Let's get down to the meat. Okay. <laughs> so today we have Chris, who, sorry, I'm getting comfortable, is a 43 year old warehouse manager in Richmond who was born with cystic fibrosis. He didn't receive that diagnosis until he was nine years old and has been in and out of the hospital most of his life. When he was 25, he got pneumonia um, that was so severe that he had to be put into a drug-induced coma for six months from January to June. He missed his birthday, the Super Bowl, the Final Four, etc. His lungs were so damaged that he had to be put on 24-7 oxygen and was listed to have his first double lung transplant, which he had in July of 2006. His life completely changed after that. He ran a 5K five months after the transplant. That's incredible. A marathon um, some years after that. Even more incredible. Can't do that now. Um, That... Um, and he lived, after that, he lived a normal life for a long stretch of time. Unfortunately, in 2010, his first transplants, um, transplanted lungs began to reject. He was relisted for another double lung transplant in 2012 and received it in 2013. Since then, Chris has traveled the world, gotten married and divorced, <laughs> all, while, all while speaking to whoever he could about the gift of organ donation and how it has changed his life. 
He has met both of the mothers of his lung donors who are both great and supportive people in his life. Today he is here to talk about his journey. Let us welcome Chris. Yay! Welcome. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hello. Yeah. How are you guys? Good. How are you? I, didn't, I wasn't sure I was supposed to talk during your like opening part, so I was just over here being a mute. You did well. Sorry. Good. Um, so, Chris, are you from Richmond? If not, what brought you here? Uh, I grew up in Newport News, a little bit east of here. Um, I literally came up here after my transplant because I was dating a girl that lived in Richmond. Ooh. Sounds like yeah. the typical story of most yeah, yeah, men yeah. here. You follow love sometimes. So, Did you ever eat at the Rock Cola Cafe in Newport News? Uh, yes. Oh my yes. God, I love that place. I actually had uh, people that we went to college with that worked there, and they're like checkerboard uh, collars. Yes. R.I.P. Uh, I missed that place. They were um, the uniforms there were very Star Trek like in the fact that they were <laughs> blue, uh, red, and yellow. Everybody had a different color. Beam me up. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so sorry I was digressing from. <laughs> <laughs> you said you had you, you said you didn't get diagnosed with cystic fibrosis until you were nine. So um, when you were growing up, do you remember having any weird symptoms that you and you didn't know what it was as a child? Yeah. So when I was um, born, I was misdiagnosed a lot. They thought I had like a milk allergy or like severe asthma, something like that. And uh, so I took a lot of antibiotics, got a lot of lung infections, and I couldn't figure out why. And then when I was nine years old, I went to Duke University and they did what's called a sweat test. That's the only way that you can diagnose um, cystic fibrosis. And uh, they like hook these like little metal electrodes to your arm and then they wrap your arm in like saran wrap and then they like take the te- uh, sweat that comes off of your body and they test it. Um, and then it came back that I had cystic fibrosis and you know, my, uh, one of my parents was a major gene carrier. The other one was a minor gene carrier. They don't really disclose that information. They don't want you to like hate one parent over another. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, I you know so uh, I had cystic fibrosis, and so they were able to treat me a little bit better. Were any of your family members diagnosed with it too? No, nobody had anything like that. No. Wow, you were the unlucky one of the bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what you you said what led you to get your diagnosis? So what did you have to do to treat the illness? Was there any treatments for it to make like your um, symptoms less severe? So essentially what cystic fibrosis is, is, um, it's how your, uh, sodium in your body, uh, interacts. So everything that is a mucous membrane in my body is like super thick. Um, that means like my sputum, your, um, reproductive organs, uh, everything like, so mucus, all that stuff is thick. So, uh, like growing up, I always felt like I had like a lung infection or the flu. I was like coughing all the time. So your body's your body has mucus naturally to when you get sick with like a cold or flu, you cough, you sneeze. That's your way your body gets rid of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when mine, because it's super thick, it just turns into lung infections and pneumonia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I was on a lot of antibiotics. They had to do airway clearance therapy, which is, um, like before they had machines to do it. It was just like my parents, like cupping. I was going to ask if like, you yeah, got doing the cupping. cupping. Yeah. Um, that evolved when I was in my twenties to a, a machine called the vest and you put this vest on and it blows air in and out and it like shakes your body and then you cough and then you call that stuff up. So Sounds like for me, nice. like growing up, especially in like my twenties, uh, I never ate breakfast. This is going to be gross. I never ate breakfast before I took a shower because if I got in the shower, 
the steam would like break everything up right. and I'd start coughing. And then I usually I would like throw up because it, the, the coughing fit was so bad. Yeah. Again, I said that was going to be gross. <laughs> Sorry. No, that doesn't bother me. Only Ooh. poop bothers me. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that made me think of something, and then I just totally lost what I was going to ask because I was picturing the sputum going down the drain. How, Liz, <laughs> how did you know about the cupping thing that he talked oh, about? Oh, well, I'm an ex-medical professional. <laughs> did you have to do that to people? <laughs> uh, no, but I remember hearing about it all the time. I mean, I was, ma- I was an ENT nurse for like 16 years off and on, so. I did not know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, okay. So what, when you were a child, was it hard to play sports and did you have like a normal childhood or a young adulthood or were, was it like, um, I didn't not? play a lot of sports, uh, just cause I couldn't, I, uh, was out of breath a lot. I was the kid that was like the last person that crossed. Remember the president fitness, yes. physical fitness yep. test you had to do, you had to run the mile and do the sit oh, and yeah. reach and pull ups mm-hmm. and, uh, stuff like that. And I was the last person that always like crossed the finish line for the mile. Oh yeah. I got so an, no, I didn't play a lot of sports. I got an award for that. <laughs> you, Good for you. She did. It was in fifth grade. Okay. I can't do it that fast now. <laughs> this was the best. I was probably there with you. <laughs> um, okay, so so hold on. Let's just go through the early life before we get into later stuff. So when oh never mind, we are going into the later stuff with my questions. So okay. you said you went into a drug induced coma. So when you woke up from the coma. What did it feel like to breathe? Was it like impossible? Um, so they put me in the drug-induced coma and they give you a little like feedback on that. Like um, what it was the only way they could treat me. So um, it's funny. I have like printed out somewhere in my house uh, the medical reports for when I went to the ER and I was very obstinate and I kept telling the people in the ER I wanted to go home and uh, uh, I didn't want to be there and you know, I'll be fine. Just give me an antibiotic. I'll go home. I know my body. I've dealt with cystic fibrosis for like 25 years. And, um, when I, when they finally like put me out, uh, when I woke up, I was on a ventilator. So they had like put a trach, uh, done a tracheotomy. So I was like hooked up to a machine. So a machine it was been breathing six for me. months. Since yeah. I'd been like, Damn. uh, yeah. So I was very, when I went into the hospital, I weighed like 160 pounds. When I got out, I weighed 126 pounds. Damn. Oh, my um, God. And you and had no idea they were putting you out? Or did they tell no, you? No, I, I I think I fell unconscious, and then they just, like, intubated me. And then they went from oh intubation God. to doing a tracheotomy and, like, uh, basically hooking me up to the ventilator. And then leaving the hospital, I had to kind of relearn how to walk, talk, eat, um and go to a ventilator rehab facility to like wean my body off of this machine that was breathing for me. So all the muscles in my chest and around my lungs were like weak because it was just used to like something pushing breathing air into me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's um, so crazy. Do you remember anything from being in the coma though? Like, I mean, you hear stories of people like, I could hear my mom talking to me, like, or do you have like a dreamlike kind of memory? I, and if so, can you tell us about that? I <laughs> definitely, um, uh, had very vivid dreams. Um, I woke up at one point and I, they had a, I couldn't talk cause I'm tricked. Um, and I had a pad and paper and I asked how the transplant went. I had thought that I had, I had had this very vivid dream that I had been kidnapped by terrorists <gasps> and they were holding me and the transplanted lungs hostage. 
and that I was like, and then the like a SWAT team came in and they saved me and everything was going to be all right. And I literally wrote on the piece of paper, how'd the transplant go? And my parents were like there and they were like, you didn't have a transplant. Like you're, you're really messed up right now. And then we're trying to like the, everybody here is trying to make you better and stuff like that. Right. And that was a real like kick in the ribs. No pun intended. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and I woke up and I just remember being very, uh, depressed um, I mean, I'm hooked up to these machines. They're breathing for me. They're feeding me. I had a feeding tube that was going into my stomach. Um, I was like hungry because I'm not able to eat, but I still have that, like you have that urge Craving. as a human being yeah. to like, you want to eat something. Um, and I remember like, you know, it's funny that you see these Instagram posts about people having intrusive thoughts and stuff. And I literally <laughs> was on so much like morphine. That's what like, and that's probably aided onto like the vivid dreams I had, but I was on so much morphine that I remember just staring at the TV and staring at the clock all day, like waiting for like the next like Hour. morphine, uh, yeah. um, like medication, like dosage. And I also remember around that same time was the tsunami in yeah, like yeah, India. Yeah. And I just remember being in such a horrible mental place that I thought that that was like a good thing. Like it was like yeah. a, like a Thanos thought, you know what I'm talking about? Like Marvel, like you erase oh, yeah. half the universe because you're trying to save half the universe. Yep. It was like that kind of thought. And I know now like that was the drugs like talking, but like I was just in a really, really bad place. You're like, in a puppy place. field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Any other wild stories of when you were there? Like anything um, that you can remember? Like, or even in rehab, like, getting stronger like or any like nurses or anyone who particularly like touched you i know that's a lot of questions at once feel free to answer any of them (laughs) i remember like the worst part of that is the memories of being like uh you know you're an adult and you can't do anything for yourself and i remember like waking up and i had like soiled the bed and they're like turning me to change the sheets and like somebody's wiping my butt and it's just like very like you're at your like weakest moment. You can't do anything and you just don't feel like human because you just don't like, you can't do anything. Uh, you don't have a purpose. You're just there for somebody to like wait on your hand and foot. And I feel very vulnerable. I was a very strong, independent person. I'm like, I lived alone. I lived in Northern Virginia. I was a manager of a, um, have you ever heard of Clark's shoes? Wallabies. Mm -hmm. So I, I ran the, uh, Bostonian Clark's outlet in uh, Potomac Mills. It was oh, the second yeah. largest store they That's had in their cool. entire company. I've probably been and so there. I, I went from <laughs> so that to, to like... being the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I went from baby. being the boss to being like somebody's boss wiping baby. my butt. Yeah, yeah, basically a baby. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about the story of your second lung transplant? Because you had two of them. And how old were you at the first one? I'm sorry. The first right? one I had when I was 26. So I was on the transplant list for about a year okay. and a half. Yeah. Um. You, you said you want to know about the second one? Yeah, tell us that story. How did how did it all happen? How did you go from the first to the second one? So the first transplant um, went really great. I was in and out of the hospital in 10 days, um, which is actually kind of long. Uh, I mean, it's a 12-hour surgery. So the first transplant, I go into surgery at like 7.30 at night. I, I'm out at 7.30 in the morning. Um, and they had me walking around the unit at like 10 a.m. So it's really like really quick, really fast. Um, it like changed my life, not just like obviously, but 
uh, that old phrase, like, look good, feel good, play good. Like, I looked, I went from being, like, this sickly 126-pound guy that's dragging around the oxygen tank mm -hmm. to, like, I'm, like, 175 pounds, and I've got, like, muscle in my body, and my... Um, my hair looks good and like, you know, I'm like put together. You're like I'm a pimp and I'm, man. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like 28 years old and like women are like noticing Walking. me and I'm not like used to that. Um, and then in 2010, uh, I worked, a coworker got me sick. He gave, uh, gave me the flu that turned into pneumonia that triggered the rejection. Uh, so it was just like something that happened through happen chance. It wasn't anything, um, that, it was some anybody's fault. Nothing preventable. Um, Side yeah, note, nothing could that happen again? Uh, sure. Yeah, the, the last uh, few years I'm sure years going with COVID, through uh, COVID was, yeah, was a cluster, pretty, like, in your scary. mind, like, what the fuck? Yeah. And with my situation, I have a compromised immune system, so even with, more with COVID, I was more scared. Um, but the second transplant, I got relisted. It was really weird because it was a weird balancing act where the doctors were like, you're healthy, but, and you're not sick enough to need another transplant, but I'm literally not able to walk up and down stairs because of like, that's how like winded I'm getting, um, to put it in perspective before the first transplant, I got down to like 17% lung function. And then prior to the second, I was down to like 27%. Wow. So I was like hovering around 33. That's basically like you're trying to breathe through a wet straw. Yeah, yeah, Like that is yeah. this big. <laughs> yeah, a lot of like, you know, you carry groceries up to the front door and then you're like, I'm going to sit here for a few minutes and then just oh. like, you know, gather your breath and then you go inside. Would you pass out at all? Um, a lot? Like... Without being like too vulgar or descriptive, sexual relations were difficult because you... you uh, or obviously being Exerting physical and intimate yourself. someone, yeah. and then you're like, I'm gonna pass out yeah. if I continue to do this, but it feels really good. <laughs> so I'll just keep part it. Of the yeah, part yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was I gonna say? Um, this is off topic, but did it feel like strange or different to have somebody else's lungs inside of you versus your own? Did you notice a difference? So I don't have like um, nerve endings in there, so I can feel. Um, you know, if you get like a tickle in your throat, like I can still feel that because my like esophagus is still mine or trachea. Um, but the lungs themselves, like I don't really like feel anything in there. Um, I will tell you that I tell people all the time when I, um, after the first transplant, they uh, pulled the intubation tube out uh, when I came out of the uh, post-op and I was breathing on my own for the first time. And it's the longest, deepest breath I'd ever taken in my life. Mm. Um, I rival it to if you've ever put minty gum or like a mint in your mouth and gone outside on a cold winter's day and you breathe that first breath of air in and it's just like cooling. Yeah. And it was like this cooling sensation that like filled my whole chest and it was just amazing. And it was, and I was still working with like, like 70% lung function. I got up to like the eighties and nineties at one point, but, um, that was still like amazing to, I was really used to like very like <laughs> right. like short yeah. labored breathing. Wow, that's really cool. Were you always on like albuterol and stuff? Does that help with yeah. sleep? I was always very shaky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. albuterol gets you like <laughs> jittery. <laughs> so your first lung transplant, how did you get to meet the donor's mother? How did that happen? So it's an 
it's an interesting story about uh i'll be fully uh transparent i didn't uh you can write the letter like immediately and it goes through an organ procurement organization the same organization here in richmond lifenet that uh gets the organs from a donor um you send them the letter they redact anything like personal information you that gets forwarded to the person and then they have the decision the donor parent whether they want to write back to you um for a long time uh like i said before look good feel good play good i was caught up in the fact that like my life was changing and i was like single and i was in rva and i'm living my life and i'm going to bars and i had this mixed feeling of i don't want to reach out to this person and feel like a, I'm going to be ripping a Band-Aid off of somebody's closure after like a year or two of post-transplant. But I also didn't want somebody to judge my lifestyle or like how I was living my life because I'm living with some one of their loved ones, like organs inside me. Mm-hmm. Um, that all changed. I wrote the letter. I just knuckled down and wrote the letter one night and I got a response. Uh, I met the mother like a month later. Her name was Terry. Her son's name was Ryan. He was 16 when he passed away. He was, it was July 4th. I got transplanted on July 6th. It was July 4th, 2006. He was at his grandmother's house in Gloucester. Uh, They were letting off fireworks on the beach. What separated the beach from his grandmother's house was one of those like rock erosion walls. Uh, It started to rain. He was in flip-flops. He tried to climb the erosion wall and get to the house. He slipped and fell and hit his head. And he just had brain trauma from that. Oh my gosh. And uh, he had taken a driver's ed course and he had signed up to be an organ donor when he got his driver's license. And that's the only reason that I got his organs. So people do it. Sign up to be an organ donor. Is it raining out there? Yeah, I think there's okay. a thunderstorm. I'm warning. like, what the heck is that? <laughs> so I'm like, is someone stunning? Can you growling? guys hear it? Who are listening right now? <laughs> Um, but back to that. Okay. So I do have a question about that. So he was 16. You were 26. Was, were his lungs small because he was so much younger? No, he he was a large adolescent. So, and that's a great question because it it wouldn't work if his lungs were too small. So his body type matched mine. Um, so it was like good blood match, good, uh, um, size match, you know, and his organs were obviously healthy. Like his lungs were healthy. The only thing, the issue he had was his brain. So uh, he was technically brain dead, which is the only way that you can get uh, transplanted organs is that you have to be technically brain dead. All those myths about people like, you know, stealing organs and stuff like that. You mean I'm not going to wake up in a bathtub? <laughs> so <laughs> if, if you go to Columbia, maybe, but not in the United States. Okay. So then how did you meet his mom? Um, Ryan's mom. Yes. So we, it was through LifeNet, the organ procurement organization. And we met and we just had lunch one day at their office. And then we decided to keep in touch. And she lived in New Kent and she would come up to Richmond. Her favorite restaurant in Richmond was Joe's Inn. And we would go to brunch together and we would like have drinks, um, without like, uh, besmirching her. She did cope with her son's death through alcohol. I was in my late 20s. I'm still going out having fun. So we kind of bonded over just like going out and having drinks and talking about stuff. Uh, I did discuss with her that I was very worried that she would like judge me for my lifestyle or like going out or she see me like stuff on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And she reassured me that like Ryan's not here. You have to live for yourself. You have to live for him. And then the second um, 
after the second transplant, the second donor mom said the same thing to me. So did you reach out the same way? Uh, I actually wrote the letter while I was still in the hospital room wow. that time. I didn't want to wait at all. I feel like I'm going to cry. Me too. Did do you still <laughs> keep in touch with them to this day, both of them? So weirdly, um, I Terry passed away the Sunday before my second transplant. She was, or excuse me, Monday of my second transplant. She was supposed to be buried that Sunday, and I was supposed to go to the funeral. And my, I got the call for the second transplant that Friday. And a lot of people are like, yeah, Ryan's mom needed him to have his lungs back. That kind of thing. Serendipity. Yeah. That's crazy, actually. Wow. The universe is weird. It really is. Weird timing. Uh, so um, would you say you have any, like experiences uh that are interesting with any of your healthcare providers like are you still in relationships with them like the ones that you went through the transplants with or was that so you know, I, or any of the nurses or anything so i kept in touch with some of the nurses on the transplant unit and um, one of the nurses from my second transplant actually became a doctor in the transplant unit that i go to do follow-up visits for okay yep. um and my my parents during the second transplant um the second transplant was a little bit more complicated for me because they had to go in and they're cutting out organs that have scar tissue around them so i had there was a lot more bleeding um my or other organs were shutting down because of all the blood loss so my parents i uh, used to bribe the nurses by bringing them like subway and donuts every day <laughs> Um, so like I got really good care. I hope it wasn't just because we were there bringing them food, but whatever, I'll take it. Um, but the, so the second transplant, uh, like I said, was a little bit more complicated. It got even more complicated because, uh, af like a few days after the transplant, they were coming in every morning at 4am to do a chest x-ray. And one of the x-ray techs was trying to put a board behind my back to do the x-ray and she popped out one of the chest tubes. And I had what they like to call a sucking chest wound in, uh, on my left side. And it, my chest blew up to the size of a basketball oh and they had to God. do emergency surgery That's in the insane. room. Um, and then after that, uh, whenever I was alone or my parents weren't there, I didn't have a friend there in the room or somebody I knew, um, my, I would have like a breakdown. Like my, I would start crying. I would start like hyperventilating. I have like a, a lot of anxiety. And I think it was my body's way of like the last time, like my mom went for coffee and then this happened. So my body was like the last time you were left alone, something almost tragic happened to you. Right. You can't be alone anymore. Are you still going through that process with the anxiety? Like I'm sure there's always a little bit, but. Um, or I have learned, some like, abandonment issues, yeah. but that would, that's for another, I guess, another episode. episode? <laughs> that's for another therapy episode. episode. Another yeah. one. Our last episode was a therapy episode. Okay. <laughs> I'd be down with that. Yeah. I've dealt with a lot of my issues and I've like kind of like worked through a lot of the anxiety of the transplant. It's helpful to like talk about it and talk about the transplant and how it makes me feel. I have a lot of um, survivors. Good. <laughs> Power cut off. There was a bit of an interruption, a almost 
week-long interruption. Yes. <laughs> we are back. It's been a few days, but we're going to finish this recording. And But that storm was crazy. Yeah, so guys, just to let you know, uh, while we were recording, uh, there was a huge severe weather event, and it just knocked the power out of several houses around Church Hill. That Right now, there are several fallen trees. There are uh, tree limbs everywhere. We had a, a tree limb that was hanging above our car, and we we didn't even notice until the storm was over, and it took Dominion uh, must have been two days to to clear the the branch out. And so, I started calling it the the branch of death. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll just park around the corner until. <laughs> so we we are glad to be back, and hopefully that back, never happens baby. again. Yeah, we're back, baby. Sorry for the delay. All good things must wait for them. That's right. But so just to recap, we um, we're talking with Chris about his double lung transplants. That's double times, <laughs> double the fun. Um, and trouble. we were talking about the difference between like mo- the moms he's encountered versus the dads as far as the transplant um, patients go. So tell us a about- little bit more about Ryan's dad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was saying, so the dad, I have never met the dads of either donor. Um, that's a personal choice. Uh, the, uh, I think I said, um, Ryan's dad, uh, wasn't around, so I never met him. Um, but his mom was great, uh, Terry, and I got to know her and, um, we, like I said before, we bonded over drinking and, uh, memories of Ryan and, you know, my new life. And then, um, my second transplant, Hans. He, um, I don't remember if I explained how he passed nope. away. No, we Did were not. actually going to ask okay. you that. Yep. So, so um, he, that perfect setup. <laughs> um, so he's a skateboarder and he was out one day skateboarding and he just randomly had a headache. He didn't fall. He didn't hit his head. He, nothing happened to him. He just had a headache. He went over to a friend's house to take a nap and he never woke up. He had like a brain aneurysm. Wow. Um, oh, that's so again, terrifying. like brain death something that is almost a perfect setup for someone to be an organ donor. Um, you know, throw aside all those myths of people trying to take your organs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, uh, I guess this happened, uh, again, like on a Wednesday or so or Thursday. And then on a Friday I got a call and there's coincidence that it's both on a Friday. Uh, and Cheers then had an, another surgery. <laughs> yeah. It was a good weekend. Um, <laughs> So his father just chose not to be, not to meet me. I don't think he could deal with his son's death. So he just decided that he didn't want to be involved. He didn't want to meet any of the donors or anything. But that's fine because Vicky's great. She's the donor mom and I got to meet her. She's uh, did live in Chesterfield for a short time. Now she lives in Colorado where she's from. Cool. Uh, I go out there and visit all the time. So it's oh, like wow. having a family out there. That's awesome. That's yeah. really And they've cool. all been like very uh, accepting of me and... Um, I actually danced with her at my wedding. Uh, oh, wow. Kind of felt obligated to do that because I wouldn't be there if it wasn't yeah, for her son. True. So. Yeah. And then her son, she was never going to obviously dance with her son at a wedding or anything. So It must have meant <clears> a yeah. lot to her. Yeah. Because it was dancing with her son. I mean, he's part of you. Yeah. And she's actually really short, so she's like the perfect height just to put her head <laughs> on my Aww. chest. So. What song did you dance to? 
I couldn't tell you if you paid me. I have no uh, idea. I don't remember. <laughs> I just, just living in the it's moment. It's a man thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> I'm sure she can remember, yeah. but I can't. Um, how did you meet the second mom? Like, what was that encounter like? Did you meet her at a restaurant? Or no, like- it's still uh, same protocol as the first one. Um, this time I didn't hesitate in writing a letter. I think I said before I wrote it, like, it, while I was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got set up pretty quickly. Uh, we did meet at LifeNet again. Uh, they have to handle all of that uh, intermediary stuff. And um, we just met. We did go out to lunch after. And uh, she had brought her two sisters down. And uh, it was just nice just to meet everybody and, like, get to know them and exchange stories. And, you know, she saw, like, something good that had happened out of something that was tragic. Right. So, which is the epitome of organ donation. It's a, like a gift you give. It's like a final gift you can give right. someone. Well, yeah, and it's kind of ironic. They were both, like, living their lives the fullest, like, outside, both, like, you know, both of them doing stuff like that, and then they passed away, but they were going full force, so. Interesting. Yeah. How life works out. And scary at the same time. Terrifying. You never know when it's your time. Absolutely. It's true. Um, What would you say like in closing was like one of the like most unique or interesting experiences you've had overall, just being part of the organ donation community. Um, I got to participate in a, a transplant games. Um, the U S transplant, um, or I should say donate life America hosts, uh, or they're an organizer of the U S transplant games. Uh, they've had them all over the United States. The first one I participated in was in Pittsburgh and it's an Olympic style event for people that have had had organ transplant anywhere oh, that's from so cool. kidney, livers, lung, pancreas, anything. Um, so there's varying, obviously, athletic levels, and everybody is formulated from like whatever state you're from. So it's state versus state instead of country versus country. Um, it was interesting to like see uh, and meet a ton of other people that had organ transplants, and you get to exchange stories and some. Most stories, like if you, for me, like I met a lot of people with cystic fibrosis that had lung transplants. So a lot of their story, like very much paralleled my life and how I grew up. So it was nice to finally like meet somebody that could understand what I was going through. Right. Um, I did win a, a silver medal in uh, Pittsburgh in 303 basketball. And then I we won a gold in Madison, Wisconsin. So... Oh, that's for basketball. On, yeah, three on three basketball. Oh, that's cool. so cool. Yeah. yeah, I met you through Jessica, my friend, and you play football with her. Yeah, and touch football. And I just football. think that is so cool that you, it doesn't slow you down. I mean, you're still running. And Absolutely. Like, you're like fully an athlete. Well, I, I've like, so when I turned 35, I ran 35 races to like honor my donor Hans. Um, and I just really felt like, I should try to see how far these lungs could take me physically. Cause I had, like I said before, I had been the kid that ran the last person across the finish line <laughs> right. in gym yeah. class. So, yeah. You're like redeeming yourself after Absolutely. all the struggle. Yeah. And do they tell you it's good to be as active as possible, especially Absolutely. with like the lung transplant? So it's a hundred percent good for your, your lung function just to, uh, you know, the more that I use them, um, it's better use it or lose it. You know, they say, yeah. right. uh, but it's, to fully like expand. expand the lungs is the best thing. Yeah, I actually have a, uh, I forget the actual like clinical name for it, but it's a, 
device I blow into if, if I feel like I'm not getting enough exercise. A spirometer, yes. that's what it is. Uh, and it, you basically blow into it and you have to hold this ball in between two marks. So you don't blow too hard, you don't blow too soft, but you're trying to like, you know, flex the pulmonary muscles mm-hmm. that you have. That's what she said. It's <laughs> so weird because I just started watching. I don't know if anyone else saw this. I, it's called Limitless with um, Chris Hemsworth where mm-hmm. he's trying to like fight the aging process okay. as much as possible. And the one we watched... it was Bradley Cooper who was in Limitless. This that was is a movie. A, yeah, this oh, is a okay, TV okay. series. But um, the one we just watched was about um, fasting, but part of that was he was doing underwater training, and um, he trained with this woman who... Because he went spearfishing on his fourth day of fasting, and so he was like trying to go into his like yeah, yeah. early prehistoric brain. Um, but this woman, she could like it was insane how she was taking in her breaths and blowing them out. But she was saying that most people only use like ten percent of their lungs, and hardly anyone uses the bottom portion, which wow. you really should try to fill up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's your fact for the day. That was always fact. Okay, Chris, how can we support the organ donation community? And is there one in RVA or is it just like... So it's nationwide. So you, anytime you go and get your driver's license uh, renewed or you go and get a driver's license, they always ask on the bottom uh, of the application, do you want to be an organ donor? Um, if you sign yes, you're automatically signed up for the registry. Uh, there are c- other countries in the world that... Uh, you they have an opt-in process or an opt-out process so when you're born you're automatically like put on a registry so you have to opt out of being a part of organ donation um the united states doesn't do that i feel like we have too many freedoms (laughs) that would be infringed on someone's freedoms um so they took my organs yeah exactly too many (laughs) people that are conspiracy theorists in the world um so you have to opt in basically so sign up or you can go to um DonateLifeVirginia.org. Uh, um, you can go to Donate Life America. You can sign up um, and become an organ donor online at any time and join the registry. Once you're signed up, you're signed up until you decide to like opt out. And that's they still have to go through certain protocols to be able to use your organs for you to be a donor. Um, like all the hospitals in the in the United States follow certain Medicare guidelines, where Medicaid guidelines too, where they have to report someone with like a brain injury or something like that to the registry so that proper things can go through that people like me get a second chance at life. But there are like over 120,000 people on the list right now waiting for different organs of any kind. So most of those are kidney. Wow. Everyone become an organ donor. Yep. And it's a free thing. You don't have to. You don't need it when you leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Can't take it with you. Just going in a box. Or, or however you decide it. to. I was gonna say for recycle. me, I'm like, just throw me in the trash, bro. Down the it's toilet. Fine. You can recycle me. It's way cheaper. <laughs> All right, are we uh, are we ready to move on to our next segment? I believe so. A uh, word from our sponsors. A word. Yes, yes. Um, is anyone feeling thirsty? Me. All right. Oh, I am incredibly thirsty. Oh, what what well, do we have on tap? Well, we have Coastal Spirits. That's right. Everyone's favorite beverage at this table. 
It is, actually, it is actually pretty good. I know. It's so good. That's actually my least favorite, but I like it. But I love the watermelon. So, so if you were to, to, to describe the taste, how would you describe that? Um, Chris, I'll let you go first. Um, so like, I'm assuming this is in the seltzer realm of yes. drinks. Um, it is very refreshing, and it doesn't have one of those like regular... Um, I won't name the other competitors' names, <laughs> but it doesn't have an aftertaste yeah. like some other seltzers have. Like they said, you, uh, what is, they say something about TV fuzz and you like shout a flavor from across oh, the room. Oh, yeah. It doesn't taste like that. <laughs> no, well, yeah, I agree. What's crazy is if you look at the back, there's only two ingredients. That's unheard yeah, of. It's in, yeah, that's, that's the best. That's unheard of. And for the ones that have the juice in them, it's 100% juice. Um, and instead of like the artificial sweeteners, which will give you that weird aftertaste, it's monk fruit. Yes, mm. all natural. Um, it's 100 calories too. It's good for me because I'm trying to cut back on sugar and calories and hit the gym. So this is a really good beverage for that. So come on, guys. Everyone go out and get a box of Coastal Spritz. They have them right now at Benchtop Brewing in Manchester or at Corks and Kegs over off Patterson in the Triangle Shopping Center. And sometimes you can catch them at an RVA festival if you're lucky. Yes, so keep we'll a keep look you out. posted. Can't miss it. What we know. Bright pink. That's right. And then after you drink, what do you want to do? Do, 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 do a little do, dancing, do, do, yeah. Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> Shout out to Maya's belly dancing. We've been taking her class for a little, like over a month now, and we're really loving it. Yeah, um, sadly, I've had to miss this last week or two with uh, traveling and stuff, but next week, I can't wait to go back, and we're going to be using weights. All yep. right. You'll be ready to shake it. That's right. Shake, Matt, shake, shake. have my abs gotten tighter oh, since Oh, absolutely. Then? They're <laughs> definitely more toned. I- <laughs> so, ladies, even though you know we're coming to the end of bathing suit season, you can always keep working up a sweat. Keep goals in mind. And it's actually a really good workout. Yeah, Yeah. and it's like mind-body. It's like a holistic experience. And you can have fun doing it, too. You feel sexy, you feel feminine, and you burn some calories. I mean, I look at my Fitbit, and I've gotten like over 2,000 steps doing it. Yeah, it's great. So, everyone... Go check out Maya's Belly Dancing. You can catch it at Tangueros in Midlothian on Wednesdays or... The dance space on Broad Street. <laughs> um, in the same strip as Mekong and The Answer, so you could also go, after you dance, have a couple beers. That's what we do. It's all about balance. Sounds like a perfect plan to me. That's right. Well, Matt, come on in. Shake your All righty. <laughs> all right. Now, it's time for some funny questions. Let's, let's lighten the mood a little oh, bit. All okay. right. Yes, yes. Um, let's see here. I might be um, regretting saying that I'm an open book now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it easy on you. Um, these these aren't that crazy. Um, what was your biggest like fashion regret or faux pas that you can remember? Like I want to burn. Ever? Yeah, like uh, everyone burned pictures of me during this time period. <laughs> so I have seen on TikTok where there has been this slow resurgence of people wearing Jinko jeans again. Oh uh, yes. Um, I used to wear those, but the uh, probably the worst fashion faux pas ever was I had like a terry cloth polo that I wore to school in high school, and I think <laughs> about that and I cringe a lot. Oh, 
I used to wear I used to wear the Jinkos too back in the day. Oh my god! Yes, I uh-huh. want a picture of that. Yeah, they were very fashionable. We so you were you were Instagram. just being fashionable. We were just blending in with yeah. society at the time. Yeah. How about you, Olivia? I've already talked about a few, but one comes to mind. My dad used to be like, he was a very like, you're, you need to be independent. I'm not going to baby you. And I was in first grade and he's like, you dress yourself. You're old enough. You're a big girl. So it was picture day and I decided to wear a, and my mom was mortified. Uh, You never let your kid dress themselves on picture day. I don't even have kids. And my mom gave my dad an outfit to have me wear (laughs) because they were divorced. So I decided I would wear this shirt that had a reindeer butt in the front and it had a butt with a tail that came out but no it was in the back the butt was in the back but on the front was a reindeer head and i wore that for picture day and my mom made me retake the picture but she my dad used to also like try to push my mom's buttons i was gonna say i feel like that was kind of passive aggressive like oh she gave me an outfit olivia there's been a lot of Bad fashion choices, but that one comes to mind. I can think of a funny fashion faux pas that I made. It's not even really a faux pas. So when I was in like fifth grade, one or two of my girlfriends were starting to get boobs, and I was like obsessed with boobs. I prayed. Oh my God. It's the only thing God actually gave me that I prayed for. But <laughs> it hadn't happened in fifth grade yet. <laughs> it hadn't happened in fifth grade yet. So I started stuffing socks like whole rolls like two socks in each side <laughs> and wearing them to school how long does it take you to get like um symmetry there in the morning <laughs> apparently not long i wasn't okay. that concerned about it but um yeah i remember all of a sudden they're like uh you have boobs now? <laughs> like, what? Did you go home, like, there. on a Friday and you had, like, <laughs> boobs no boobs? On a, and yeah, then you on came Monday. In, you had, like, C cups? Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, I believe, like, during kickball and running, some socks might have fallen out. <laughs> so, luckily, that shameful time in my life didn't last for long. And then, sadly, God really blessed me because my back hurts all the damn time. This is very blessed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Wait, Matt, you already said Janko jeans, right? Yes. uh, I admit that I used to wear them. (laughs) I need to see that. I I, I don't know if I have any pictures of that, to be honest. Well, we'll find out. I'll contact (laughs) your father. (laughs) Um, Who, Chris, who is the weirdest kid that you remember from childhood, if you can remember one? There was a lot for you. You don't have to name names like John Smith. It could have been in high school. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. So there were these four, yeah, four kids in middle school that used to pick on me. And I look back now, and if I had my comedic timing that I do now, I would have roasted these four individuals. Um, there was a cool Zach Morris type. And Ew. I don't understand how in the universe that these four kids found each other and they hung out with each other every day. They were little misfits. There was a Zach Morris type, little cool kid, wore a Letterman jacket. Oh my God. There was the dirty kid <laughs> who literally <laughs> wore shoes with no shoelaces, like the tongues would stick out. Um, there was a really overweight guy. Uh, they used to beat me up after school every day. Aww. So I'm, no, I, I, yeah. I, anybody who's like at home like cringing because I called someone overweight, I don't think very highly of these people. <laughs> and then there was this kid that uh, I guess would you would 
classify as the nerdy one if we're like creating a nineties <laughs> like, like high school sitcom or something. <laughs> um, who kind of looked like a beaver with glasses. Oh my god! And All those right. were the weirdest kids that I ever grew up with. And that for some reason the universe put them together as like my um, mortal enemies in middle school. Hopefully, karma <laughs> has caught up with them. I bet it has. I'm whatever. If if it did, great. But if it didn't, cool. I'm better off. So. You got tougher. Yeah. Liz? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, the weirdest. Um, I mean, it was weird just because they were different. There were these two um, kids who were really quiet. Um, and they had... They were obsessed with their, like, pencil boxes. This was elementary school. <laughs> you remember, like, remember those damn mechanical boxes. pencils yes. that... One piece of lead would break, and then you'd have to like use up the whole freaking pencil yeah, yeah. in one day. I was like, "What is the?" Do point you remember of this? those pencils that had just had the lead on the end, and then when it got dull, you picked you, the piece of plastic up and you yeah, put it and back you put it, it back in. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh my gosh, oh my yeah. God, but they basically that. never talked, and all they did was like rearrange their pencil like <laughs> kits on the end of their desk, OCD. and we never really talked OCD. to them. So that's my story. Not as those years, kids but... would now be classified probably in some kind oh, of Oh, they're spectrum. probably like, well, yeah. they're also probably working for NASA, and I have a podcast in my house. <laughs> Sounds like we're all doing Come well. To goals. We need to interview them. Yeah. <laughs> Olivia, have you? I think I've talked about it before, but this truly is the, the, nothing tops this. In high school, I did ski club, and there is this guy that we like got to know i wouldn't say we were friends with him but we would like hang out with him he was from a different school he wore a white leather suit skiing no coat no snow pants a white leather suit and then we sat down with him and i was like looking at him because he was like strange and he had a like this is back when i didn't know anything about drugs (sighs) he had a pinky nail that was so long and he was like Mm. 17 years old was he into coke? I like obviously, but <laughs> he was I didn't into know that. skiing the slopes. How do you know if that? You know I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Not> true. <laughs> had he been doing that? I mean, obviously he had. And I am, while he was skiing, I <laughs> am gonna say his name because I don't know him and I don't know his last name. But his name was Russell. But whenever, every time we would see him, we would go Russell, and we have a picture <laughs> with him, and it's so funny. <laughs> Where did you go to school that you had a ski club? Upstate New York. Oh, okay. That sounds yeah. very Beverly Hills. I know, I like, went, so bougie. Like. I was in private school. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I went to a Catholic school. Okay. And actually, Catholic school is not as bad as everyone thinks it is, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, my opinion is different on that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's like, uh, I went to an all-boils, boys Catholic boils. school. I wanted a uh, boils. Yes, there were only boils there. <laughs> no, goyles. Just boils. Boils. <laughs> Um, Matt, were there any weirdos at that boys' school? <laughs> well, not not at the um, not at the boys' school. So I went to an elementary school in North Carolina, and you know every elementary school has one, and it's a horse girl. Oh, yes. So yes. yeah, yes. and so yeah, just based on your your guys' reaction, uh, yeah. Um, so so anyway, you know, like the horse girl that I knew would wear. <laughs> 
would wear a t-shirt that would have a horse on it just in case you didn't know that they had a horse yeah and so <laughs> it's more of like uh you know it goes beyond just having a horse it becomes a personality it's uh you yeah. are the horse i yeah. bet she was doodling horses all the time because the horse girl i knew that's all she would be doing like we'd be taking notes and you could see she had like i was like you should just drop out and go draw horses because it was actually very three-dimensional mm-hmm. like muscle textured horses she became wow. an artist yes Impressive. I guess your horse girl wasn't quite as up to par. Not as that mine I know was. of. And if she doodled, it probably wasn't to that extent. <laughs> I dated a girl in high school whose roommate was a horse. Girl. Her license plate even said "horse enthusiast." Oh my oh, god! Horse girl, sixty-nine. <laughs> That's hilarious. Catherine the Great. <laughs> um. Should we go to Big Daddy News? Yes, yes. Drop, Drop some, on us. some Big Daddy News, y'all. This is a new news segment coming in, huh? All right, Drop guys. Drop it on us, Nat. So I'm going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and that's uh, dive bars. And so I, I think if you... You know, if you've lived in Richmond, you haven't lived in Richmond property, properly unless you've been to a dive bar. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a rundown of the, the dive bars in Richmond. And so... You know, as a preface, uh, you know, what, what what is the definition of a dive bar? You might, you know, want to know. I don't know. What is it? <laughs> and is according- it where you dive into the sink? <laughs> no, no not, not quite. And according to UrbanDictionary.com, it's a well-worn establishment oh. that has a, a simple selection of drinks. So you're not going to find your, you know, your fancy Espresso cocktails. Espresso martinis? Uh, prob- probably not. No, definitely no three beans on top. <laughs> The horror. And uh, usually it's a dimly lit, casual atmosphere. So, it, you know, it has a presence. It makes you feel cozy. Um, you know, and it, a dive bar can range from a simple neighborhood pub to an absolutely disgusting hole in the wall. And so... <laughs> I can't wait to see your the list. The more there. disgusting, <laughs> okay. the better. Can't wait. And so this one is actually close to where we live, and it's Poe's Pub. Oh, I so, want to go. And so this is uh, below uh, Libby Hill Park on Main Street, next to Tobacco Row. Uh, they usually have live music, uh, open mic, great food. And I've actually done li- um, open mic there, so it's a great establishment, I think. And is it Poe-themed? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's uh, quite Poe-themed, but, you know... It's more like music-themed, honestly, in there, I think, from and, what I remember. And it's kind of funny. It's the only bar that says, sorry, we're open. <laughs> <laughs> is that your number one, Diva? Uh, is this a ranking? Or? It's uh, it's not necessarily a ranking. There's no order. Oh, okay. so This is just a list of yes. faves. And so next, uh, this one happens to be on Forest Hill Road. Or Forest Hill Avenue, it's uh, the locker room. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I've never so, been there either. So I have never been there before, but it's a well-known haunt of Richmond. I've been there. I've and peed outside there. <laughs> Liz, you peed uh, outside everywhere. <laughs> I have also been there. <laughs> have you, uh, you saw me, great right? people watching. <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's across from O'Toole's, and they've been in business since 1971, and they were previously <laughs> called... The called Danny's Dungeon. So, uh huh. We have to go have a podcast. And uh, it was called that before it was purchased in the 80s. And uh, by the way, any smokers out there, it is smoker friendly. So you can get your smoke on there. Chris, don't go, please. (laughs) I've been a couple times. 
And next up on the list is uh, one of our personal Ooh, favorites. Caddies? Caddies. Yeah. You, you got it. You got it. Wow. And, south um, side? On Hills, south side. Yeah. yeah so, oh, you've been there. <laughs> so it's located on Midlothian Turnpike. Uh, they're famous for their karaoke. 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 <laughs> That's the proper way of saying it. Karaoke. They have a, a huge, large bar, bar there, and it's just a fun place to go after dinner. So Shout out to Holly Lane. Yes, Holly, Holly Lane. We know you. We love you. She's amazing. Give us shots the Best next bartender time. Yep. there. Shout out to Holly. So uh, moving on, uh, Daddios. And yeah. that happens to be in Henrico County off of Dayton Road. So like... Um, like the rock locker room, um, you know, it's friendly to smokers, but it does have a non-smoking section, and they do have live music there, and I used to actually play there quite quite often. One of our first dates was when your band was playing at Daddy's. True, yes. I played darts there. And they so, have a really good dart. And they yeah, have, they... They have karaoke as there. <laughs> and so they have darts and pool tables, so they have a lot of games there. And uh, moving on to Lakeside Tavern. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Another bar I've played at. So <laughs> I went with Chris to that bar. <laughs> so they are, are known, you know, it's a no frills d- dive bar. They're, their food is good. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Oh, and they're, they're famous for their live music. And uh, like I said, I've, I've played there quite a few times before. The owners are from Korea and they have really good Asian fusion food there. If you haven't tried it, I, people I did not know Lakeside that. Lakeside Tavern? Yes. Did not did know, know that. that. Yep. That's a fun Little fact. known fact. It's so random. <laughs> it's so it. raven. <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, moving on to <laughs> Gus's. Uh, Ooh, this one is yes. on Broad Street. And why do I oh, like that? Gus's. Okay. I like well, that one too. Seals. <laughs> Sorry, Beth. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <Seriously>. Sorry. <laughs> so, okay. So there's two Gus's, and, and we can get into that. Double your pleasure. Double your fun. <laughs> and so this is a, a place on Broad Street. They're, you know, a great place to watch sports. Arsenal. And, and you know, yeah. after... You know, if you play like intramural sports, it's a play, great place to grab food yeah, too. Yeah, it's right down the road from score. And I have something really quick to say about it. They're Arsenal. They promote the soccer team Arsenal, which was my ex-boyfriend's favorite soccer team. And we would go there all the time to watch the game. And it was packed. And it was like being at an actual soccer game. So it's a great place if you are an Arsenal fan. And so uh, we talked about uh, another Gus's, and, and that's actually another uh, karaoke spot, and um, that is in Mechanicsville, mm-hmm. and so that's a great place to go as well. And uh, this one isn't, I, I wouldn't say it's quite a, a dive bar, but this gets an honorable mention. It's the Patrick Henry Pub. Yes. And uh, it's, it's one, of my, one of my favorites because they just have this basement that's cozy. It makes you feel at home. You know, they have great food and it's a great place to get a drink. And it's close to us and we can walk there. And you're basically living history while you're drinking. Like, who knows who's been inside those walls? Yeah, yeah it's uh, right one across. bars. Yeah, in Richmond, it's right across from St. John's Church. So yeah, there is a historical aspect. Who to knows? It. Patrick Henry might have had a pint <laughs> ran over the night. Is it a Richmond institution? I would say so. Yeah, it's been around for a pretty long time. That was a great list. And so, uh, listeners out there, what are the dive bars that you recommend? And uh, hit us up on social media with your favorite dive bars. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, Ola oh, La underscore. Wait. Yes. Oh la la underscore RVA. <laughs> yes. 
That's the place. DM us. Yeah, let us Please. know. Shout we might out. even do a little poll yeah. and see if you agree with Matt's choices or not. We can vote on what what the best dive bar is. Is he area. full of shit? Oh, does he know what he's talking about? And if, if you think you know of a better one, I want to go to it. I want to find out. <laughs> I would only add one to your Ooh, list. Okay. Yes. Let's hear it. Tell us. Um, bamboo. Ah, Bam, yes. yes. Okay. My Aunt Kelly's favorite brunch spot. She's there every Sunday, so you might know the, her. The pours are heavy. Uh, I like, like it. A heavy pour. I like and it. they actually are surprisingly have really good menu. Ooh. Yeah. What they're kind nachos. Of food? They're they've got every, like everything. Like bar it's food. like Classic bar food. American Greek, yeah. Yeah. Um, and their brunch, I've had their brunch a couple times. I haven't been there, I don't think, yeah, it's dinner, really but it's really good. Um, Kelly, my aunt, goes there every Sunday. So. But that's and, all. That's the only thing I'll add. Well, and Other tons of restaurant workers great. always list that as their favorite place to go. So I'd say if the people who are making all of our food everywhere else go there. Yeah. Sounds like a, a slam dunk to me. That's right. That's my go-to thing <laughs> when I travel because right, I ask yes. uh, bartenders and waitstaff, like, where do you guys go when you're off? Yep. That's good idea. A, actually, I've never thought of that. <laughs> you're a genius. Speaking of restaurants. Yes. Tell us what your restaurant of the week is. My restaurant of the week is Bovine Burger Concept on Main Street. I recommend the bell ringer. I actually went with Chris too. It was that same night. I was same with Jess and the two Chris's. Uh, I got the bell ringer with beef because they have like different patty selections. They have like, if you're a vegetarian or they can accommodate you, whatever kind of meat you lack. Or buns too, yep. like gluten. But yeah. I got it with, with beef. It has herbed goat cheese, pickled red onions, spring greens, tomato jam, and herb aioli. Mm. I recommend getting it with the duck fat fries. Mm. Those are tasty. Yes. And one of their seasonal milkshakes because they have like milkshakes that come and go throughout the seasons. And right now they have a birthday one and it happens to be my birthday month. Ooh. So I will be going soon. Treat yourself. And the milkshakes come with a cookie straw. Ooh. You know I like that. <laughs> Like if an you order, straw? yeah. Okay. If you order delivery, they don't do that. I, don't I know. Mm-hmm. And also, don't get delivery with the milkshakes. I don't recommend that. I don't even know if they'll do them. I feel like I've been burned before, where it's like they say don't order this, and then I'm like, and uh, and then they're like, yep, you didn't get a milkshake. You guys need so. to go in and eat there, but make sure it's in the fall because they the AC Ooh. was not working. Do you remember that? It was cooler outside than it was oh, inside wow. the restaurant. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So fix that, but other than yeah. that, your food is great. I thought I was working in the kitchen when we were sitting there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so bad for the work. You're like, but other than I that, it's really good food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my restaurant of the week is crafted at Libby Mill. Um, so, as we mentioned previously, they just brought back brunch, which is from 11 to 8 on Sundays now. Um, well, they call it like a brunch-lunch mix, so go check that out. But if you're there for lunch or dinner, I recommend as an appetizer the drunken pretzel with beer cheese. It's quite tasty. Mm, so good. Um, and then I love the Southern Gentleman Burger, which has pimento cheese, onion relish, a fried green tomato, and bourbon glaze with fries. With a side of ranch, of course. Yum, yum, yum. Get calamari as an appetizer. It's very good. And all their drinks are good. They do have a an old-fashioned that um, has been on their menu for a while that's pretty delish. So check that out. All right. Mm-hmm. Anybody else have anything to add? 
want us to go anywhere, do anything? No? No? All right. Anyway, yep, we're going to wrap this thing up since it's taken um, two times to try to get it to drop. God, I mean, I feel like we've had the worst luck this past week. (laughs) Um, Chris, do you have any shout-outs? Can you shout-out those places again for organ donation? So people can follow them or just participate maybe if they're, I don't know, they have a family member and I don't know. You just if you, um, I mean, if you have any questions about uh, organ donation, and if you'd like to reach out to me because you feel like I have some answers, I'm an open book. If you have any questions, it's an alley runs RVA on Instagram. That'd be the best way to reach me. I'll probably be tagged when you guys drop this episode. Yes. So anybody wants to reach out to me if they have any questions about organ donation, any myths, any concerns, anything you think I left out. Um, but donatelifevirginia.org is a good way to sign up to be an organ donor. Or if you go to the DMV, you can sign up there. Um, but you know, think about it. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me or you can go online, donatelifeamerica.com. They always have like, you know, Q and a on there. Um, I know there's a lot of like conspiracies and myths about organ donation with, you know, anything having to do with medical stuff nowadays. I was going to say, yeah, also a tip I've always heard coming from the medical industry, A, follow what Chris just said and go to that specific website, but also don't ask WebMD questions like that. Anything that is like a something like that that ends in a .com is going to try to scare you because their traffic is driven by the more clicks they get, um, and that's how they get their money. So if you are asking real medical questions, always go to a .edu or a um, .org website. Yeah, if you go to WebMD, you you always have cancer. Yes. Regardless, you're like, I I stubbed my toe. You have have no cancer. cancer. Any other shout outs? Uh, for me, the Great American Ranch, because we seem to be going to that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to the VA is for bloggers group who has taken us in and coached us a little bit about how we can run our social media better and just have a community of other women who do social media and vlogging, all yeah, different vlogging sorts of things, writing, like everything. Yeah. And also shout out to the devil's bathtub you gotta go visit it we had such a great time there and bovine burger concept for me yes um shout out to all of like virginia hiking like everyone should just download the all trails app and do some hiking get out there and do it shout out to that um and shout out to um crafted as well as our sponsors maya's belly dancing and um coastal sprints Yay! Shout out to Big Daddy Shoemate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, for uh, getting us back online. Oh, we, oh, we back, baby. We, we owe you we a dropping lot. this. <laughs> Matt just was like, you know what? Say no more. I will help you. And he just jumped right in and saved us. So thank you. I Matt. got you out of the fix you got in. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, so much. It's been so informative, and I had a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a really good experience. Yeah, it's Yay. been a pleasure. Alright, we'll uh, talk to you guys later. Hit us up on social media. Yep, bye bye, Chris. Bye. Bye.